This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 89, Outlaws. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in this week. An outlaw works outside acceptable and or legal boundaries. Sometimes he's accomplishing something he would call the greater good. Sometimes he's only concerned with himself. But one thing is constant. He does what he wants. This week on the podcast, we will discuss John Wayne's last role and the dangers in his last message for us, why superheroes are neither super nor heroes, how wanted the outlaws saved country music and killed Waylon Jennings, and how Sheriff of Nottingham is a great game, but a bad model for ethics. Let's start with what I've been preaching. One of my favorite John Wayne movies is his very last movie, entitled The Shootist. He stars with Ron Howard and James Stewart and various others. The point of the movie is that he is dying. He's an old gunfighter, former lawman, now just more or less living on the outskirts of society. John Wayne's character, J.B. Books, is determined to go out his own way and not die of cancer, the slow, agonizing death that his doctor promises for him. And so he arranges things so that he'll go out literally in a blaze of glory. At one point, he talks to Ron Howard, a young man who is the son of the woman he's staying with. He gives a great quote here summarizing his lifestyle. Book says, I lived most of my life in the wild country, and you set a code of rules to live by. I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people, and I require the same from them. Well, as far as rules for life goes, I suppose you could probably do worse than that. But the question is, does one individual have a right to make rules, not only for himself, but essentially for everybody? This is the outlaw way of doing things. I am not going to be bound by societal norms. I'm not going to be bound by any kind of publicly agreed upon standard. I'm going to do what I feel is right all the time. And if you're consistent with that, and if you're moral with that, and if you don't run across the wrong characters, maybe you can get away with a lifestyle like that. But more likely, you'll wind up with a shotgun blast in the back from some random bystander who doesn't approve of your lifestyle. I would like to think that that brand of outlaw, however popular they may have been in times past, and I have my doubts about that, but however many of them there may have been in times past, I would like to think that we've more or less moved past that. But there is a reason why so many people in the modern day, especially in the movies, glorify this kind of lifestyle. They see heroes in people like J.B. Books. And, and I greatly fear that this pattern that has been laid down and tacitly approved of by Hollywood aficionados, by moviegoers like me, this idea of living by your own rules has instilled a sort of nobility in this character that does not deserve to be there. I'm sure you could find bigger movie villains than J.B. Books. But nevertheless, the idea of living by your own rules is a pattern that is not only detrimental to society at large, but also detrimental to the individual, at least in the long term, and oftentimes in the short term. From a spiritual perspective, from a Bible perspective, we ought to appreciate that better than most. Because we realize what Jeremiah 10.23 tells us, that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Living by your own rules assumes that you are in a position to know what the rules should be, that you know good enough to 
come up with these rules and to bind them on other people. And we know for a fact that we are not in that kind of position. The most arrogant among us will acknowledge that we make mistakes, that our judgment is impaired, that we do not always do the things that we ought to do. We know that, and yet we insist on behaving otherwise, like we can pass down some kind of standard for rules that is going to instill confidence in not only us, but people who are watching us and looking up to us. From a Bible perspective, we ought to appreciate that we have a better option than this. We have a lawgiver who is perfect, and we're not talking about the governor or the president or Congress or any such thing as that. But as Christians, we can look to Jesus Christ and have confidence that his law is in fact effective, that it is better than anything that we or a host of people like us could have come up with. Romans 2 verse 16 emphasizes how we are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we give account to somebody else. Being your own rule maker, being your own judge and jury, essentially, assumes that you have the right to be that judge and jury, and that's just not true. Again, from a Bible perspective, we appreciate that. Jesus will be our judge. God will judge us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. That's what the Bible says, that we answer to God at all times. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we want to bow the knee to Jesus, as Philippians 2 tells us, every knee will bow. We are all subject to Jesus one way or the other. And the sooner we come to grips with that concept, the sooner we'll get about the task of submitting to him and be effective in his service. The more outlaw we are, the longer we live in this outlaw phase, this lawless phase. Sin is lawlessness, the text says in 1 John chapter 3 the tougher it's going to be for us to get out of that. The longer we build these bad habits, the tougher the good habits are going to be to come along to replace them. And also assumes, and this is the biggest hypocrisy of all, it assumes that you will grant the same privilege to other people to make their own laws and bind them as they like. And you know perfectly well you're not going to do that. JB Books didn't do that. Nobody does that. If I decide that I'm going to live by a certain code of conduct and expect other people to do that, that works well as long as only one person has an opinion. But that's just not true, is it? Somebody else is going to come along and claim the same right for themselves that I have claimed for myself. And that's going to involve me doing things that I don't want to do. And all of a sudden, we're in conflict with one another because we're both self-willed, because we both have our own judgment about how things are going to go, the only way you can get away from that is to agree upon a common standard, to agree upon a common set of rules that we can all live by, that is not me serving or you serving, but that it serves the interests of society at large. And to a certain degree, government is going to do that, but government is human beings ultimately, and human beings are going to fail. If we can all come to grips with this idea of living in Jesus, then we can automatically live in peace and harmony and joy and have confidence that he's going to find a far better way for us than we ever could have found for ourselves. Anyway, that's what I've been preaching. This is what I've been reading. When I was growing up, I loved reading comic books. The Flash was my favorite, but uh, I had times when I'd follow Superman or the X-Men or, or whatever. I, I loved the idea of these heroes coming in from a place separate from society, separate from regular law and order, with powers and morality and authority that did not find its foundation in mundane principles like the Constitution 
or like the law and order or what the mayor says or the governor says or the president says or any such thing as that. They know the right thing to do. They go out there and take care of business. That is an inspiring kind of way of looking at the world. The idea of special people with special authority and, and a special mandate to go out and take care of business and get the job done, there's something that is very exciting about that especially in a context where we do not have the ability ourselves to do those kind of things. I don't have super strength or the ability to fly or x-ray vision or the rest of it. I can count on these fictitious people to do their job in a moral way, a way that is best for society as a whole. Now, as comic books have gotten more complicated, more involved over the years, the morality of such people has become considerably more vague, less quantifiable. And I think that maybe that's a good thing because just blindly accepting the idea that these people know best, they're going to do whatever they feel like doing. And it doesn't matter how many laws they break. They're on the side of right, whether it's John McClane or whether it's the Punisher or anybody else, it's going to be okay if they get done what needs to be done. Jack Ryan with 24 was a great example of that. They're going to be right. They're going to do the right thing, even if it means what would ordinarily be considered to be the wrong thing. I'll tell you one of the things that really turned my head is I realized that I have become a grown-up as comic books have become much more ubiquitous in our society. I was watching The Avengers. I was watching The Dark Knight, the Batman movie, and I see random chaotic destruction, an elevated train being destroyed and and causing millions of dollars worth of damage, Uh, alien flying creatures going through and breaking buildings and creating chaos and Thor throwing his hammer through a building and things like this. And I find myself thinking in my 30s and 40s, who's going to pay for all this? Who's going to clean this up? How do you go about putting this on insurance form? I lost my business because my building was destroyed in an attack by aliens from another world. How do you go about making that connect to reality. It's not reality. It's not supposed to be reality. And I understand that. I'm not opposed to to a fantasy world as entertainment. But more and more I am seeing that it's not just entertainment. It is a shortcut that people see as a way toward a given end. They want to get the right thing done. They want results. And they don't especially care how they get the results. If we need to cede authority to Uh, people in the government or towards special societies or to an outlaw vigilante with a mask on, whoever it happens to be, we're okay with that as long as the trains run on time. And that is a very dangerous way of looking at the world. It's a very dangerous way of looking at government. And it's certainly a dangerous way of looking at spiritual things where all authority is given to Jesus Christ and not to anyone else. When we drift away from the idea of trusting in Jesus and we get more rooted in the idea of getting out of religion, getting out of the church, getting out of my life in Christ, what I want, and making the rules kind of fit to fit my pattern. That's a dangerous way to live your life. When your philosophy is basically results-based, when it is not process-based, when it's not gospel-based, you're only looking at what happens, how many people get baptized, or how good the numbers are with the congregation, how high the treasury is and and how many people are enjoying what you're doing, how many people are giving you thumbs up on your podcasts and things like that. When it's only about the results, we're basically granting authority to mortals. We are saying that human beings are determining what's right and wrong, whether the human being is me or whether it's some vigilante out there or whoever it happens to be. I'm saying that an authority figure is not divine. Authority 
that authority comes from a human being. Jesus says, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, verse 18, in the Great Commission, he says that all authority is given to me. That doesn't leave anything for anybody else. If you have authority in the family or in your own personal life, it's because Jesus has given it to you. And we need to get away from the idea that you can do something simply because you feel in your heart that it is the right thing to do, because you have a calling, because your father got killed by a supervillain or whatever it happens to be, because you have a whole lot of money. I used to really put a lot of stock in the idea of opportunity plus ability equals responsibility. If you have the ability to do something and you have the opportunity to do it, then it is your responsibility to step up. I think that kind of thinking has really empowered a lot of people to do things outside of what should be the proper parameters of their authority. That's not our calling as citizens of earth, and it's certainly not our calling as citizens of heaven. If we think that our intentions are what validate our choices, then there's no telling where we're going to wind up landing. We're going to be the the one talent man that's described in Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 uh, through 30, who thought the best thing in the world for him to do was bury his talent in the ground. He, I don't doubt, was acting in all good conscience, but because he was fearful, he chose ultimately to do precisely what his master had told him not to do. That is rebellion, whether it's with good intentions or good attitudes or not, is not relevant. It's rebellion against the true authority, the authority of Jesus Christ that is implied in this parable. And when we decide that it's a better idea to do something else instead of what Jesus has told us to do, we are in rebellion. It's ignoring the long-term consequences that come with thinking that our way is best. In Isaiah 39, we read the story of Hezekiah thinking that the best thing for him to do would be to show his all of his wealth to the Babylonians, implicitly arranging for an alliance with them, putting his trust in them. And it works out for him. He gets the alliance, and he is secure in his days, but he's told by God that because of this, the Babylonians are going to dominate the Israelites after Hezekiah is gone. And Hezekiah says, well, as long as I secured things in my lifetime, that's all that really matters to me. What a horrible attitude from a person who supposedly was a a faithful child of God. How do we get to that point? We get to that point when we choose to allow ourselves to be the arbiter of right and wrong. What we need to do instead of giving ourselves authority to go in the way that we think is best. What we need to do is choose under any circumstance to submit to God's authority. When Saul says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 12, that he forced himself to offer this sacrifice that he knew good and well he was not authorized to do, what he should have done instead is force himself to wait for the proper turn of events, to wait for Samuel to come and do what Samuel said he was going to do. We are not morally justified in forcing ourselves to do the thing that had to be done. What we need to do is force ourselves to submit to God in all situations. Anyway, that's what I've been reading. This is what I've been hearing. When Willie Nelson decided that he was not going to play by Nashville's rules, he was going to go to Austin to the Armadillo World Headquarters, a place that I never went to, of course, because I was a kid and I wouldn't have been allowed and even if my parents had wanted me to go. 
he went to the Armadillo World headquarters in Austin and started making music for people who appreciated his brand of country music. And it caught on, and he found independent ways of producing his music, and that emboldened his friend Waylon Jennings, who was still hooked up with RCA, to demand his kind of music be put out on his album. And the result was Wanted the Outlaws the first certified platinum album in country music history. It destroyed everything. It broke Nashville away from the old so-called tried and true ways of making music and really pushed the boundaries for an industry that was becoming very stagnant, uh, an industry that was catering to the middle and not being very creative at all. Nashville is probably very much like Hollywood in the sense that they're going to do what pays and they don't want to take a whole lot of chances. And wanted the outlaws forced them to take chances. And back artists like Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and Tom Paul Glazer and Jesse Coulter, who appeared on the album, and many others that have followed in their footsteps since then. And the music industry has never been the same since. You could make the argument that Waylon Jennings, with his album here, saved country music. But because of this, because he received life when he was about to literally quit the industry, when he was about to quit making music entirely, he became emboldened in his lifestyle. He found himself in a horrible, horrible cocaine and amphetamines habit, perpetuating all kinds of longstanding health issues. And he wound up dying in his mid-60s from complications from diabetes. This lifestyle that he had chosen killed him, essentially. You could argue that it gave him life for four or five decades, and I suppose in a sense that might be true. But in a very real sense, it cost him everything. I suspect that in his dying days, he would have said he would have made that trade over and over and over again. I suspect now he would say something different, but that's between him and God. The idea of outlaw country, breaking away from the rules, saying, I know better than my boss, I know better than the powers that be, is a kind of attitude that is pervasive in human society. I don't know that the problem is getting, well, I mean, rephrase that. I wouldn't concede that it's a problem necessarily, it depends on the situation. But I suspect that attitude is becoming more and more pervasive in the business world, in the entertainment world, in people's personal worlds. I don't want to take anything from anybody. I know just as well as anybody else does. Authorities are, in fact, flawed. Yes, there's no question about that. We need to examine them as the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, his associate, were closely examined. If you're going to examine Paul and Barnabas in a spiritual sense, certainly any authority needs to be scrutinized. It needs to be looked at. They were searching the scriptures daily in Berea to see if the things that Paul and Barnabas were saying were, in fact, so. There's nothing wrong with that. Human beings, even apostles, have their problems, have their shortcomings, and it's entirely appropriate for us to scrutinize authorities to see if they do, in fact, know what they're doing, if they do, in fact, have our best interests at heart, if they are taking us down the road that we want to go in, that is best for us. Now, hopefully at a certain point in our relationship with authority, we find someone that we can trust. Certainly that is the case with Christians, and we can have all confidence in them that they are, in fact, taking care of us. But when we're dealing with human beings, we need to be careful. People may not have our best interests at heart in the long term. You are responsible for yourself. 
And such is the case, in a sense, anyway, with religious things. There is a need for us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Take this responsibility for yourselves. Don't trust a preacher or elders or governing authorities of any kind. You read your own Bible. You know what God wants from you because you have heard him say to you through his word what his will is for you. Allow him to have his way with you because he is the authority that you can, in fact, have confidence in. The downside to this philosophy, or one of the downsides, is that this image can become all about itself. And it wasn't too long before the whole outlaw country thing started really great on Willie uh, and Waylon. Uh, Waylon wrote a song about it, in fact. The idea that it's not just about being outlaws, it's about making music. That was what he was trying to do. Being an outlaw in the eyes of Nashville society was one of the ways that he made that music. But it's not about being rebellious. It's about doing the best that you can at what you are doing. We need to stay grounded. We need to not get carried away with ourselves with regard to being different or being edgy or being popular or whatever the, the buzzword happens to be that we're looking at. I was looking at First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 3 and following and reminding myself of the attitude that a lot of people wind up having in religious circles, people who started out perhaps trying to serve Jesus, but before too long they found out that this edgy, different kind of way was exciting and got them a lot of popularity, sold a lot of books, whatever it happens to be. Paul, Paul warns us about these things. He warns Timothy in First Timothy 6, verse number 3 and following, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Before too long, we can create a monster that will take over our spiritual lives. We need to stay grounded. Remember who we are. If the best way to preach the gospel is to do it without a tie on or without a coat on, to go talk to homeless people directly on the sidewalks, whatever it happens to be, that's fine and God bless you in doing that. But don't think that your approach is what is making you right with God. What's making you right with God is your faith. Believe that God is working in you and do the best to allow him to work in you and give him the glory at the end of the day. Anyway, that's what I've been hearing. This is what I've been playing. We've talked about the propriety of telling the truth in board games and other contexts. I don't care to revisit that. I, I do want to talk about Sheriff of Nottingham specifically, though, as an example of a game where ethics are negotiable. Basically, to review what you do in Sheriff of Nottingham is you try to pass goods through the sheriff's checkpoint, and you may be trying to sell cheese or apples or chickens or whatever. And if you are simply doing business, then you'll go your way without a whole lot of trouble. But the sheriff is suspicious that people are trying to pass some illicit goods through his check posts, and he is going to examine every once in a while. He'll pay extra if he checks you unnecessarily. But if you are found with contraband in your satchel, you're going to get fined very heavily. That may seem like it's best then for you to simply play by the rules, but that's not necessarily the case. I have found most of my success, quite frankly, to confess a little bit, in Sheriff of Nottingham by making some kind of deal with the sheriff. 
where he's going to let me go. He's not going to check me, and I'm going to kind of carry whatever I feel like carrying across the border. There's a lot of money in contraband, it seems, and so perhaps it's best for me to bend the rules a little bit. Now, ordinarily, of course, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I certainly hope the sheriff is going to check these other people if they're trying to pass some contraband. But if I can make the moral flexibility, let's say, of the sheriff work to my advantage, I'm all in favor of that. I think that we can appreciate the problem that comes in with ethics that do not apply across the board like this. If we're going to accept the concept of corruption, we have to agree that it is not a relative kind of thing, that it it's not a rules for thee and not for me kind of situation. It's always right to do the right thing, even when it hurts us in the short term. Even when playing by the rules seems in the short term to be a bad idea, we take the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where if we burn up in the fire furnace, we burn up, but we are not going to bow the knee to this image that the king has made. Daniel 3 verse 18 has that that tremendous statement of faith that they were able to give there. We're going to do the right thing always, whether other people are doing it or not, whether we're going to get away with doing the wrong thing or not, whether we will profit in the short term by not doing what's right. We're always going to do what's right. And the same thing goes with doing wrong. It's always wrong to do wrong. This is a lesson that Balaam understood at the beginning of this story in Numbers 22, 23, and 24. He seems to have forgotten it at some point along the way, which is unfortunate. But he tells these messengers from King Balak, whether Balak gives me his entire house of gold or not, it, it doesn't matter. I can only tell what God is telling me to say. What we need to do is accept that wrong things are always wrong things. If we have a consistent respect for authority, and sometimes, by the way, it's going to be like the sheriff. It doesn't seem like the authority is worth respecting. But if we will develop this constant respect for authority, whether they deserve it or not, Peter says in uh, 1 Peter and Romans chapter 13, Paul says the same thing. Having constant respect for authority, and especially having respect for Jesus' authority. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians 3 verse 17. The more respect we can have for authority in general the more we're going to be able to apply it to authority toward Jesus. We'll get away from this idea of doing what God says when we need to and not necessarily doing it when we think we can get away with it. Because ultimately, we're always under authority. And the more we can live our lives under authority effectively, even when it hurts us in the short term, the more we can stand before God with a clear conscience, knowing that we did the best we could at serving him in this life. Respect for authority is something that is not always appreciated in our society, but it is at the very core of our existence as Christians. It's not about getting the most out of your day or the most out of your year, or even to a certain degree, getting the most out of your life. It's about showing God in this life that you are his child and that you respect what he has for you and you trust that he is leading you in the way that is best for you. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.